with Authors fans, we have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. <clears throat> Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Bo Lake, and our guest today is Paige LeBoy. Welcome, Paige. Welcome, welcome. We, we tried to do this before, but one of the co-hosts had an emergency, and I just have to put a disclaimer that Paige had the most epic Mothman hot chocolate beverage at that time, and because of the thing, we lost it. It's fine. I'm just- I did still- make it. I, I remade it on Instagram Reels, so if you go to my Instagram, you can see it in all its glory, but it's it pretty you good. You guys have to do that. It is so amazing, and I have to give mad props before- where we talk about what we're drinking now. Okay, so I am drinking my favorite uh, white wine, which I probably shouldn't say because it's like $12 a bottle, but it's um, the Pacific Rim uh, Sweet Riesling. They added fire to the dragon on the bottle. It didn't used to have fire. I noticed they added fire. So, and I'm drinking it out of a wine glass my dear friend Grayson Ace gave me that says, I'm trying really hard not to connect with people right now. (laughs) from Shakespeare. <laughs> yes. David and Moira are our heroes. They are absolutely the best. Bo, what are you drinking, my friend? Well, today I'm boring and I'm just drinking a chai tea latte with a shot of espresso in it. You've got to get that espresso Bailey's. You could have like zhuzhed that entire thing well, up. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I was in a rush. That's, That's okay. fine. That's fine. Bo actually <laughs> stepped in for another co-host they couldn't make it but I was like somebody's getting on this because we're not rescheduling Paige again she's gonna think like the world is against her like, like we're <laughs> avoiding like, her the whole world is like you don't even drink Paige <laughs> I've got two you don't get to be on this podcast yeah, <laughs> Paige what are you drinking I have two drinks so I've got a honey lavender no it's a vanilla lavender latte with oat milk and a little bit of almond milk because you're running low on oat milk. And then I have a hop water. I don't know if you've had these before. It is a sparkling water with um, hops in it. It also has, um, I always say it wrong, but L-theanine and ashwagandha. So it's like um, great for anxiety and stuff. And it has like a tiny bit of like a beer taste, but yeah, it's pretty good. I'm going to have to try that. I've never heard of that before. I will try it now. So for um, anyone out there who doesn't know, what do you write? Well, um, it, I'm, I'm kind of on a trajectory right now. It seems like in the paranormal romance front where uh, my book with Four Horsemen is I'm in love with Mothman and Bo is the editor and is just generally very amazing. Um, and it is a cozy, little bit spicy uh, Mothman romance. And so um, typically I feel like it's stories about monsters, misfits, and falling in love. So I love like autumn Halloween aesthetic and vibes and like putting that into books. 
Very cool. So when did you start writing? When did you decide you wanted to be a writer? We like going backwards in time first and then jettisoning forwards and then back and forth and back and forth. So nice. Okay, good. Take us, take us there. I have like the boring cliche answer of like the, I've always been writing stories. Um, I wrote so much fanfic as a teenager, but I was not a normal teenager in the sense that I didn't write it and post it online and find a community. I wrote it in notebooks that I hid under my bed. So under my bed was just like, like Sashomaru fanfic, um, uh, Lord of the Rings fan fiction, some different random animes, uh, and anything. I had some Newsies fanfic, so I just didn't discriminate. Anything that I was like hyper fixated on the moment, I would self-insert myself into and be like, let's kiss some cuties. That was, Yeah just basically made myself like it was it was honestly like the writing equivalent of dating sims like just plot myself wow. into this world I, I love that analogy and I love that you okay so I, I we have to unpack this yes because please. we've had several people that write fan fiction and I love that I love fan fiction um what so first of all how come you didn't post any of it because that is literally the first time I've ever heard of anybody writing fan fiction and then not posting Hiding it under their bed <laughs> I, yeah. well I I um I was kind of like um it, it was the that new time of the internet you know so like MySpace was just happening um the the websites were like Yahoo Geo sites and stuff I don't really think I knew how and I also um you know, our internet usage was pretty monitored, I think, by like family and stuff. And I think I knew that if I were to post it online, I would have to let my parents like see what I was posting to the internet. And so very, um, like, not that I didn't like sneak around websites and poke around, but I, I, I think I was too honest of a teenager to do it in secret and uh, mortified at the idea that that my parents would be reading like my um my fan fiction about kissing kissing people my kissing books my secret kissing your notebooks. secret kissing so mm -hmm. your fan fiction involved you inserting yourself into the story oh my gosh yes <laughs> it wasn't always me sometimes it was I had a very long-running um Legolas fanfic and I let people read that one because I was very proud of it I put it in a, a notebook that I like um bound I had like drawing illustrated cover I did um an elvish to English dictionary in the front. Um, and it was about like literally me going to stay at my grandparents' cottage. They lived up on, um, by a lake in Michigan. And uh, my grandparents went to the store and I was alone and I went for a walk in the woods and ended up in Mirkwood. And it was the first sunny day in Mirkwood that I arrived <laughs> so bad. But it was also, you know, I mean, now, I just wrote a book about a girl moving to the woods and falling in love with Mothman. So on a sunny autumn day, like on a sunny autumn day, she God. moved in and there was Mothman. So I, first of all, love all of this. I love that you created a binder. I love that you mm -hmm. shared it in a binder because I think that there is a lot of, you know, you're, you're going back to the time of MySpace. I remember when... I remember when I had AOL and it was AOL the messenger. So I also mm -hmm. remember having bulletin boards. Like I could go back in time and I'm just like super 
dating myself and not like going out on a date, but putting myself in time back then. But I know what you're talking about. And I also understand the concept that especially when something's new, you have no idea who can see it or Mm -hmm. when it goes out there or will somebody tell somebody and you'll get in trouble, you know, (laughs) for writing it. But what I think is so awesome is the self-insert. Because I don't know that I've heard that with fan fiction a lot. Like a lot of times fan fiction takes characters and makes them into different stories people would like to see or puts two characters that don't get together together or three characters. I mean, you can there's lots of things out there. But <laughs> going, you know what? I want to fall in love with Legolas and Mirkwood. Like, I think that is just freaking awesome. I have <laughs> so fun. much fun. It's so, very main character energy of you. I love it's it. It's very Mary Sue energy. <laughs> I love that. Bo, you wrote fan fiction, didn't you? Well, I also had a notebook that I uh, hid that I covered in pictures of Brendan Fraser in The Mummy. And I wrote um, erotic stories about him. And I'm still doing that to this day in secret. <laughs> impeccable well, it's, not a, it's not a secret you're on a like a podcast i know i know it's all over the but world everyone will see it soon enough soon enough. <laughs> the secret oh, project. Yeah, that's true i forgot mm-hmm. that's actually coming out as a book but <gasps> yeah. yeah did you insert your it's not actually brendan fraser just for the record no, no. Yeah, hashtag copyright Legal, legally but, speaking it is not yeah <laughs> speaking. in our minds but so i never is. like inserted myself because i I don't think my self-esteem was good enough for that. So it was always like, Brendan Fraser was like kissing Rachel Wise and it was mm. hot. But like, I was like, that's me though. In secret though. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. So Paige, when did you um, stop putting binders under your bed and um, start working on uh, other fiction, like not fan fiction? When did yeah. you start like writing for realsies? For realsies, it started off for me with web comics. So I did eventually put my stuff on the internet. Um, I did a comic for a long time called The Graveyard Girls, and it was the very like Tim Burton esque, uh, little gothy illustrations. And um, I probably started that when I was fifteen, and I grew with those characters till I was honestly in my 20s, but I changed it. So it changed from that series where it was those kind of one-off um, a picture or two pictures in a row with like a quippy little social commentary. I was like, you know, my little punk got the illustrations. Um, and then I felt like I knew so much about these characters that I wanted to share more. So I rebranded it to a series called Pumpkin Spice that ran for, I think about five years and I self-published three, no, four different books and hung out with those characters online, sharing their stories for um, for a while. And it was a NaNoWriMo that I actually wrote one of my first, like sat down and finished a book. So the entire time I was working on web comics, I was writing, but I had never actually sat down and finished a story. Um, uh, and I, I always thought my first book would be taking those pumpkin spice, those graveyard girls characters and turning them in, in into like a novelization, but it just never happened. I feel like that does need to happen though. I, I don't do. know. I feel like the time might be 
gone for them. Like, I think that they, they lived and they had like their experience and their story. I think maybe, maybe in like 10 years time, I will sit down and like really have like nostalgia for that project. It taught me a lot. Writing a webcomic, I feel like, and then going into uh, writing novels, uh, you learn a lot about pacing because you have such limited space in a comic book. And then um, all of a sudden you have all of this space on the page, but you still kind of learn those story beats pretty well. No, so. that's true. And, you know, I say that mainly because I want to read the novelization of this particular story <laughs> because that sounds fucking badass. But it was cute. it's true. You, you know, starting even doing fan fiction, whatever you do, you have to begin somewhere and start learning how to piece a story together, regardless of how much time you have to do it in. And sometimes I feel, I've talked about this a lot on the show, having a shorter amount of time is better, is a better teacher than starting off with a full length novel. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't start with a full length novel. Don't send me hate mail, but I think sometimes learning to write shorter and then kind of expanding the world gives you a, a, a sense of how the story needs to flow. Yeah. Just you get more words. And hopefully not too, too much exposition because some people do way too much exposition. I was going to say, when you're drafting, both of you, do you tend to overwrite or underwrite in that first draft? I underwrite. I, Me too. I'm a very chronic underwriter. Like, I'll be like, oh, I need 50K words and I'll get to like 40 and I'll be like, oh shit. Now I have to fill in all the gaps. <laughs> yep. And it feels so done, right? When you hit 40K, yeah. you're like, but I did it all. It's already done. Mm-hmm. Can't I just turn it in like this? That was like, <laughs> With no. a little asterisk that says insert sex scene here. <laughs> I, I do that all the time. So I'm like, I don't feel like writing that. Let's just Mm-mm. brackets later. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't do it that way. I um, I don't think I overwrite necessarily. I'll sometimes get to the end and then, because I refuse to stop and go back. Like I don't mm-hmm. stop and go back ever. I just go forward. I Unless I need to enter a comment at the tra- top of a chapter to just go, hey, don't forget you suddenly came up with a horse that's now in the story added here somewhere. You know, like, that that's it because I found that if I don't do that I will rewrite the story to death Mm -hmm. so I can't stop and then by the time I get done and I'm doing my first read through I don't necessarily add a whole bunch of words or take away a whole bunch of words I just sort of fill out a few things and then insert those little things that was like like you said like you're, this person had a gun, blah, blah, blah. Well, go insert what kind of gun it is. Research what the, you know, yeah. what the best one would be. Can you stick it in your pants? Whatever. And that's <laughs> that's for a couple different kinds of ways I write. So, um, you know, <laughs> that's what I do. But I, you know, I had to find that I cannot stop and go back and go fill out and do, because I no yeah. book will ever fucking be done by me if I do that. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Bo, this is me allowing you to ask questions. Do you see that? We're in the first half. I'm shocked, shocked. I never get to ask questions during the first half. Um, What drew you to paranormal romance and Mothman specifically? Okay, so the first part, paranormal romance. 
I've always just been a spooky kid. Um, like I feel my, I'm a twin, I'm a twin sister. I have a twin sister. I am also a twin sister. Cause that's how that works. Uh, one of our favorite movies to watch was like double, double toil and trouble with the Olsen twins. Uh, we loved like, just like, actually we were a little scared of nightmare before Christmas. It took us a while to fall in love with that one, but like a lot of those like spooky Disney Channel original movies and stuff, we just were on in repeat. My mom also loves Halloween. Um, and I kind of, I feel like at an early age thought it would be very cool to be a vampire. Uh, my grandpa would always try to tell us like spooky stories too. And so like, you know, grew up hearing about the boogeyman. And uh, he told us that vampires ran the blood bank. So if we saw like a donate blood sign, it was actually vampires. Believed that so long. Um, so I think I kind of grew up thinking that a lot of these spooky things actually existed. And it was a part of my subconscious working. So I uh, remember thinking, oh, how cool would it be to write a story about vampires running a blood bank? And I uh, still need to do that, but um, I was going to say we have an anthology called Demonic Medicine, ooh. and that would be a really fun story to add to that anthology. I can't do enough. I can't add another thing. To my <laughs> Just throw it out there. Do by me. Oh God! Oh, Mace, not okay. Thinking about that. Um, yeah. So, what drew me to paranormal romance? Uh, I think just all of that, like early exposure to spooky stuff and really falling in love with it. Um, I loved Anne Rice as a teenager too. So I think just like vampires. Um, if anyone is actually listening to this, I clutched my heart while I said vampires. So not actually listening to it, but instead of watching. But like yeah. watching it. Yes. So um, if you needed the, the visual to go along with it. What drew me to Mothman specifically, he's just the hottest uh, cryptic. Like truly, accurate, if you look accurate, at the, yeah. Yeah, the statue in Point Pleasant. I've I've seen his booty. It is The shiny hiney. It, it, it's, mm -hmm. he has, if you pardon my language, just an, an ass that won't quit. It is yeah. spectacular. <laughs> um, and I, I just feel like Mothman's also having a moment. Like we're seeing a lot of sexy Mothman memes, costumes. Um, so that was working around in my subconscious, thinking about where did he come from? Uh, what is his actual deal? And wouldn't it be cool if he transformed into like a hot anime guy? Um, so all of those things kind of were, were bouncing around and it just, I kept falling more and more in love with him. I so you but I love that first of all and it's <laughs> it's true that Mothman is first cryptids are becoming a really big deal now like yeah. yeah not that Bigfoot wasn't a big deal and Bigfoot's like the you know Loch Ness monster these are the cryptids mm -hmm. you know or dinosaurs or whale penis just depending on who you ask right but um I'm so stuck on this one of my favorite nasty things and it really pisses Daniel Arsino off when I talk about that. Um, but um, the the thing that I think is interesting about the cryptids thing is that it is becoming a big deal and Mothman is becoming a big deal and I feel like it went from sort of the tinfoil hat crowd people doing mm. the cryptids to it's cool which was kind of like when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid we weren't cool we were shoved into lockers that's who we were right and, and now it's really cool to do gaming. I love that it sort of goes into that like mainstream cyclic thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, it does seem 
Oh, go ahead, Bo. It does seem very mainstream because I was talking to Mark Muncy and he was talking about going to the Mothman Festival and he said it was packed, packed because oh my gosh. so many people are interested in Mothman now. Did you see all the pictures? It looked wild. It's it, just like- It looked wild. crazy. Ooh, did, so, did Mark, so many people. Paige, Paige, did Mark tell you about your book there? Um, uh, The flyers? I know about that because I sent- I sent Mark flyers to pass out at the festival. Did he tell you they were gone like within minutes and he yes. had to save one and just have people take so pictures? People can take pictures. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, that I love, um, there's very cool things about being in the age of the internet too, because cryptids and, and how people are discovering this and it's becoming a little more mainstream where one of my videos on TikTok made its way to this beautiful girl who got engaged at the Mothman Festival in front of the statue. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to check out your book. Yes. <laughs> I No, I think, no, I think you found something you hit right at the time. And you know what I also love? Not that I don't think the erotica stories, because I think they're so much fun in the horror stories, yeah. but you wrote a sweet romance about this. Yeah. Which is not necessarily typical of how some of these things are written, right? And they're not written as a sweet romance. They're written a little more naughty, which is great. Mm -hmm. Not badgering the naughtiness, but that was- Or a, like a even dark romance. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, I I really wanted to like ride a line with the cover um, and make sure that people knew it was a monster romance. But I think that the- um, the like cartooniness of the art helps make sure people know that it's like still pretty soft too. Um, it's yeah, covers. Covers, oh, covers are such a such a fun thing, such a fun topic. And with that, <laughs> we're actually going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with drinking with authors. Hey, listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo! Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. So we're back. I don't know why I just said it like that, but I'm going to blame you for the wine. That was terrible. We're back. I thought you said We're it normal. Back. <laughs> and I just realized on the back of this bottle, it has like a sweetness to dryness rating. Mm -hmm. You can see it on the YouTube, but it's like that's dry on this side. And then that's sweet. And then I was debating for a brief moment when I said we're back, whether or not that was accurate. Aromas of honeysuckle, white flowers, I don't know about you guys when it comes to wine. I know I'm off on a tangent. I don't smell that shit. Like when they <laughs> say stuff like it's got honeysuckle and white flowers. What does that mean? Like 
and very big juicy like peaches and pineapple flavors and i'm like what and then it says this wine the, uh, not shy around spice this wine dares you to bring the heat is this just a pitch for my book is that i guess so <laughs> are you gonna get sexy because you drank that wine what's going on on that bottle i'll, I'll let you know in a few minutes there but i'll let you know <laughs> how you doing <laughs> so let's talk about your publishing journey so you it went from um things under the bed to um a binder no this is a journey this is a very different journey than i've ever heard on this show so we're going on this journey then to web comics then to self-published novels mm -hmm. what made you decide to go a more traditional publishing route well, um, I think a couple of different things in my life happened with, um, and not in a bad way. I made that sound like it, it was going to take some sense. Yeah, I was like, turn. we're, hold on, we're <clears throat> No, no, <laughs> no, all, all good things. Uh, just, it is so much work to self-publish a book and hats off to all of the incredible self-published authors out there because, um, it's the task list is wild. And you know that you run a publishing company. There is just so much stuff to do and I was feeling really overwhelmed uh my husband and I kind of we we did the first two novels it was Confidence the Diary of an Invisible Girl which was like a geeky teen novel that was my first and then A Girl Called Monster which is Frankenstein retelling and that will be republished later this year um with a uh, uh Parliament House Book Press but anyway so he, he his uh, job changed and his work responsibilities got way more involved. And it meant that if we were going to continue to self-publish, I needed to learn formatting. And if I wanted to keep doing covers, I needed to learn graphic design or hire out for all of those things and be kind of like the CEO of a publishing company. And I sat with that for a while and I thought about it. And I also, in that time, worked with a couple different editors freelance and realized I loved the collaboration process. I loved uh, getting to talk with people, having advice, having people to like springboard with when something wasn't working. And I thought, I really want to try a different route here. Like, I would love to have a future where I could do more book events, uh, where I could have maybe see my books in stores one day and started down that path of querying and and uh figuring out what the other options out there were and then so there's two things so that that dream came to a reality because mothman came out and you were in barnes and noble like right next to Cordathone and roses which was <laughs> mind-blowing so talk about that for a moment and i know this <laughs> for many reasons but your social media is on point and I want to talk yeah. about that after but let's talk about that dream in very short order becoming a reality so well uh honestly I wrote this book for me I had no idea if people were gonna like it at all there were a lot of anxious phone calls with my sister being like it's mothman are people gonna want to read this like ah um the answer is yes, and it has found a really fun niche audience. And I'm no, no, uh, in no way saying that it's like super, super popular or anything like that. But uh, on New Year's 
Eve, uh, I went over to Barnes and Noble where they had it in stock. They ordered it in after I, um, I just asked, I went up and I said, Hey, I'm a local author. Uh, could my book be here? They sent a request in, they ordered in a bunch of copies and they sold out within three days. So, uh, yeah, a couple friends went over to try to buy them and they were gone. And it was wild. I felt like, um, I felt so excited. I also felt a little bit like, oh, well, that was that, you know, like, I, I guess they sold out. I guess that means that that store, they might not ever order them back in. Who knows? They ordered in 10 copies. <laughs> again and then they sold out again and then they ordered in more and now I just live at that Barnes and Noble I guess which is incredible I had no um I I could have never fathomed that that would have been the case and um now uh the, the book is at four different Barnes and Noble in Florida that I know of uh we're in four different stores in New Jersey uh the ripped bodice in California which has been a dream ever since I discovered they existed um, meet cute. Uh, once this podcast comes out, the event will already happen, but doing a virtual event with them and in on their shelves also in California. And it's just been incredible. Like I, I, I really, truly cannot believe it. Um, and I'm, I'm really just so grateful for anyone who's been sharing the book, enjoying the book, anyone who's connected with the story too, because, uh, it felt it felt very much like a, a passion project. I felt the same way writing this book that I did when I was filling up notebooks with fan fiction when I was a teenager. And so it's really cool just to see it have this connection with people. And what I love about that story too is that, you know, you talked about, will people like this? And I think a lot of authors get into that. I wonder if people will like this. And the truth is, is people love stories. I think a lot of, you know, it's changing dramatically now, right? But it used to be we were, what we were able to get to read was tailored to us by a group of publishers, right? Because you couldn't get into bookstores if you were an indie press or self-published and things like that. Like that wasn't a thing. So if you went into a bookstore, went into a library, it was what was shopped for for you by the larger publishing houses. That's just the way it was. So if you couldn't get into a publishing house um, under the genres they wanted to publish the stories they wanted to tell, then you didn't see stuff. Like you would not have seen I'm in love with Mothman 20 years ago in a store, right? But now people can find it and connect with those stories, which is amazing. And also what Barnes and Noble has done to me is amazing because there are some parameters to this, but they have what the CEO went, no, we're not going to just buy whatever these major bookstores are selling to us. The people in the bookstores can choose what they want to stock on the shelves, right? And it started with some book talk things and finally all the contracts disappeared. So if you haven't been to your local Barnes and Noble or local bookstores, go into them, ask for the books you want to read because they, it's not just a special order. They'll get them in. If they sell, they want to sell them. They'll put them on like going onto your social media page. You'll see a picture of your book saying signed copy right above Court of Thorn and Roses 
facing forward, not some obscure like one copy is in some corner of one bookshelf, like you are a prominently displayed feature in Barnes and Noble, which is huge, you know? So yes, that is adorable. And I wanna talk a little bit about your social media because, and then I promise I'll let Bo ask some more questions. <laughs> Bo! I let her ask one earlier because I knew her. <laughs> you you get two questions, Bo. Get two. No, she gets yeah. a lot of questions. <laughs> all sassy pants, but as I get more drunk, she gets more <laughs> questions. It's fine. So, um, but your social media, you've done a huge amount with that and a huge amount with TikTok. So let's talk about that a little bit because there's an importance to that that I think authors need to understand. And I'm not saying they mimic what you're doing, mm -hmm. but the importance of social media and that fan base. So do you mind talking a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, the cool thing about what you just said about mimicking what I'm doing, TikTok is a platform where everyone is mimicking each other. And so jumping on these trends, these audios, um, I don't do the dances, but if you did, you could. Um, it's It's... It's hard and it's easy. And it's hard in the sense that you have to be kind of on it. You have to be paying attention to what is trending, what um, audios are in your niche as well. Cause there could be an audio that is trending for um, people who are in a completely different de uh, demographic than you are. And that audio is really popping off. So it's showing up, oh, this is trending. You could use it and it might not be seen by anyone in the book community. It could be more in like um, wellness influencers or beauty gurus, or you really just don't know unless you kind of click around and do your research. So as you're scrolling through, you'll see a bunch of people doing book talk videos with um, Mariana Cross by Ghost was trending. And that was the first Mothman video that went like pretty viral. Um, and I just did like a couple second video of me being like a mothman video who's ever going to want to watch that and then did the cover on the next page with the lyrics on the screen and that got a lot of interest I think I think honestly because it started off with that negative statement of like no one's going to want that and the viewer is seeing that and going I love mothman I love spooky cute stuff like I would read that so they feel inclined to comment and say like, I want it uh, and share it. And also hopefully you hope, click the link in your bio and go check out more. Um, so you just never know what's gonna, what's gonna hit though. And that's the tricky thing. And whenever I'm talking about TikTok with friends, it's really like a quantity over quality thing. You just have to post consistently, like post once a day. Uh, you can repost stuff. You just want to make sure you're not reposting with your watermark most of the time. Uh, so you can go on a website like SnapTick, download your videos that you recorded on TikTok without the watermark, repost them on Reels, because sometimes you'll get like 200 views on a TikTok and then you'll put it on Instagram and it will really pop up over there. Um, there's also now we're starting to get services um, where you can sign up for $10 a month and they'll send you weekly trending audios in your niche. I haven't done that, um, but I feel like if you are wanting to be more hands-off with social media and you don't have a lot of time to spend on there, it could be an interesting thing to explore. Um, I personally, I enjoy it. It can be kind of a pain because 
the algorithm is so tailored that when you're just trying to do your research, you end up on there for so long. But I've also discovered a lot of different books and like new friends from it too. So it can be a really cool place to meet people. It is. And I think it's one of those places where you need to go in and you need to um, take some time and research like what people are doing. Well, what does it look like? What are the mm -hmm. views? Like understand, because I always say that um, the talk, that's how I refer to it. The talk is um, very much a uh, gimmicky kind of situation too. Mm -hmm. Like you have to find something that'll grab attention because it's not serious. It's not, you know, whatever getting the likes, getting the mentions, you know, getting all that traction on it can be for, like you said, one of the silliest things you could think of. Like, you're mm -hmm. not like, you know what I'm going to do? You didn't plan out for a week. I'm going to say, uh, you know, Mothman love story. Who would want that? Like, you didn't sit there and do that. You probably just came up with, this is a fun, quirky thing, put it up there. And then it takes off, right? Mm -hmm. Where you could do a whole dramatic, get somebody to dress up as Mothman and do this yeah. whole thing. And like, it wouldn't fly. You know what I mean? Nobody yeah. would be interested. So That's, yes. And I started on TikTok in more of the vintage community and those videos, uh, my friends and I would spend so long on, and it would be frustrating for us because we would spend <clears throat> a half hour making a video together and then it would get like a hundred likes and you'd be like, what did we do wrong? And the answer is nothing. It's just a very fickle algorithm and you have to just keep trying. Um, uh, if you're listening to this and you're an author and you're like, I would really like to follow some people on TikTok who do it very well. I would say um, Elise Kova, her, her TikToks are great. Um, uh, for kind of more of the like rom-com, Candy Steiner also makes really great reels and TikToks. Um, and those are two that I feel like you can look at and sort of study and look at how they're positioned, look at how um, the, the framing is, where they're placing the text, because all of that stuff's really important too. You can still have a video go viral uh, if your text is in a weird place, but if it's hard to read, that's going to be hard to communicate whatever message you're trying to tell. Yeah, I really want to do a presentation on this of like, here's how to lay out a TikTok video and not spend a ton of time on it. <laughs> I think you should. Would be fun. Please, please do. Maybe yeah, for the Four Horsemen that. community, that would be a fun little, little meeting. No, I agree. Thing. We'll get that set up. Okay, Bo, I'm letting you have at it. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit though. Is there a genre you'd like to write but are scared to try? Hmm. I have a a genre that I've written in and it's all drafted and I'm a little scared to release it now. Um, well, because I'm looking into all this branding stuff and I know people, um, you know, readers expect a certain thing when they're reading certain books. Like my next release uh, is going to be a YA. Uh, and that's a little scary for me because I'm like, I hope I hope that people aren't now coming to me for spice. It's not, Mothman's not the spiciest book, but you know, you don't, you want to have, have that trust with your readers. Um, before I wrote anything paranormal, I wrote a book called Dear Galaxy. It is a 1950s space rom-com that is um, like a road trip through the stars. So it stars um, this sweet girl named Susie, who's an advice columnist, and she uh, has a secret identity in her school. 
And she gets sent an anonymous love letter to herself and ends up on this scavenger hunt throughout her space with her friends. It's so sweet. There's a little love triangle. Uh, we have our little punk rock cinnamon love interest, the cinnamon roll love interest, which I'm obsessed with. The tough, the boys who look tough, but they're not. Um, and it's just like a really cute teen story, but it takes place in outer space. It's very sweet. Uh, there's nothing paranormal about it. And now I'm just kind of sitting on it and I'm wondering, well, I don't think I really want to do a pen name for this because you don't need to do a pen yeah. name for that. You can absolutely release that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll I'm, talk after. You okay. can absolutely release that. You can email it to me tonight. That'll oh be my good. gosh. So ah, it's like, it's, it's like been through editing. I've spent years writing this and it's, it's one of those things that I feel like years ago would have been so in line with my brand. Cause it was very like I mean, I'm still very bubblegum, but you know, like bubblegum pastels, retro. Uh, and now I'm like, well, now I'm taking a turn to the dark side. So I, I've always been spooky, but you know what I mean? You want, you want to make sure your okay. readers feel like they can trust you. That's true. But she's not on the dark side. I appreciate you thoroughly. <laughs> and Marthman is, is a little gray, but you are nowhere near <laughs> the dark side. <laughs> me, I'm like, look at me with my my pigtails. I'm so spooky over here. You're so spooky. That's okay. I'm gonna have Bo email you right after this to get okay, that manuscript. That so great. well done. No pressure. Um so Bo, continue. <laughs> now that you set that up, let's see what other work we can pry out of pages. Yeah. Oh my true. gosh, I am working on another thing I am planning on sending you, but it's like Ooh. been my little back burner project. What is that? Now that it's, I know, yeah, that's, now that I will, I will it. send you all the details on it uh, <laughs> as soon as I have, because it's, I'm writing it backwards. I'm working on a little anthology collection that's a uh, vampire office romance, and I'd like to do three novellas that um, Allie Hazelwood is like my hero, my author hero, um, and she has, I have it over here, the Loathe to Love You collection, where she has three short stories and then they're all digital and then in print they are in this really cute book all together and I'm like I want to do that but with vampires so I'm I'm writing a little little office romance with oh vampires. note that down second email that goes out today <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it's, it's in that'd here, be great yeah. <laughs> so what, but now that we're sealing all that work but what's coming up next for the Mothman for Mothman ah I love it um Oh, I don't know what to say without spoiling it. No um, spoilers, but is there a book two in the works for yes, the audience at large? There is a book two. We're going to find out more about Moth. We're going to meet some new characters. Um, we're going to go on a little um, daydreamy, floral fantasy adventure. Um, and if you read the book and you know the ending, uh, you know kind of uh where the location's going to be and maybe who we're going to be meeting so i hope that you're excited about it because i am and then i'm um as i've been writing book two because it is it's in that that 40k something finishing it up so i can quickly send it to beta readers and then get it to the deadline in march so we're we're racing towards the finish line on that um i've been making sure that i skeleton draft out the third book because after I finish drafting this I'm going right into writing that third book so I can get it over to Four Horsemen as quickly as possible um and that one is really fun like I love the second one but the third 
ties this really fun bow on everything. Um, and it's going to be a moment where the characters from the first book and the second book can all really team up together. And um, one of the inspirations for it, if you've ever read, um, what's it called? It's like um, one of those reincarnated animes. Like I got reincarnated. My second life is a villainous. Great. Um, I don't know. I actually don't know if it's a manga. I said if you've read it, but if you've watched it, it is so much fun. And that is the inspiration for the third one. Well, that's very cool. That's exciting. I love that it's coming out. So the second one will come out, what, around September? I think so. September yeah. is, yeah. And I, I think I think it's coming out around the same time as the Mothman Festival. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Four horsemen like, might maybe, be at the Mothman Festival this maybe, year. We'll see. Maybe my characters end up at the Mothman Festival in the book. I don't know. Who's well, to I say? Hope, Who, I hope who's so. to say? Oh my gosh. Okay, Bo, keep asking your questions. Sorry, jumped in again. <laughs> well, is my favorite, well, my favorite villain to hate. Is he coming back? I won't say his who he is. Is he coming We're back? We're gonna spend a lot of time not in Moth and Heather's neck of the woods, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I will say our favorite villain has a presence, but will he actually be seen? No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Will he be in the third book? Maybe. <laughs> I've never hated a villain more in my life. I love, okay, <laughs> just real talk with you. I did not expect people to hate him as much as they do. Oh, and I'm kind of like both living for it um, and uh, uh, surprised. Because I, I thought that there were going to be a subsection of people who thought that his uh, grossness was charming. Because I read so many romances where it's that mm. like cocky kind of like, oh, I'll... I'm here, I'm going to swoop in and save the day and be kind of a jerk about it. And so I was like, I wonder if people are going to be crushing on Chris. And uh, no, no, I don't no. read my reviews. Um, so I only know what people have told me or what has been screenshot by my lovely husband and then texted to me um, just for curiosity's sake. I'm like, do people like it? And he's like, sent me some five-star reviews and been like, look, um, but I've stayed away because I didn't want it to one, it's not my place. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, like the readers can communicate with each other and talk about what they liked and didn't like. Um, and two, it's going to get in my head while I'm writing the other books. So I don't want to go. No, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, reviews are really for readers and mm -hmm. we always talk about reviews and do you use them and what do you use them for? And, you know, different people have different views on them, like hardcore. There's no like yeah. distinct camps, I feel like. But um, the best books in the world have one star review. Like you're yeah. not going to win that. It just is whether no, I, or not it will affect you reading them or do you find them interesting? I have accidentally seen a couple um, just grabbing the link for Goodreads um, or there's a new review website that I stumbled across and I clicked on it and the reviews are right at the top. And I went, ah, <laughs> so, you know, I think with any book, you need to know that there are going to be people who love it. And then there are going to be people who don't connect with it. And you have to remember that there are books. That I, I've certainly read books that I have not connected with and then books that I've really, really loved. And does that mean that the author wasn't good at their craft? No, it just means that that book wasn't written for me, but it was definitely written for someone else. And that's something I try to remember. Very true. 
Uh, what does your writing process look like? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a big question. That's a big it's, question. it's changing because it used to look like me staying up till like four in the morning, a couple nights in a row and writing down like everything and feeling very like caffeine fueled, but also like that flutter in your chest and like you're watching a movie before your eyes and it's had to become a lot more structured because I'm a mom now and I can't stay up till four in the morning because I get up at six in the morning <laughs> and so um and and also just there, there are a lot of consequences to staying up late with my body because I have Hashimoto's and if I burn out I feel it for like another week so uh doing that to myself before becoming a mom I would be like, okay, well, I'm suffering and I'm putting on my like um, joint compression sleeves and I'm sleeping until 12 and just kind of like, hey, I wrote a ton of words and I'll edit them when I'm feeling a little bit better. And now I'm working this year on finding more of like a sustainable writing practice. And so um, that is kind of trying to do like an hour or two at night, trying to do an hour in the morning. Um, deciding whether I want to write during nap time or whether I want to like do some stuff around the house. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like it's um, a little slower going with um, just the creating of the manuscript. It isn't so much, I'm not writing like 10K in a night anymore, but it's cool because I feel like during the day, I have so much more time to ruminate on the the story and the characters and think about what is coming next and, and think about different motivations for stuff that I haven't quite figured out. So I feel like, um, yeah, I'm always kind of like the, the wheels are always turning. The ideal writing routine right now is either getting up early or spending some time in the evening working on the book um, and having like big blocks in the weekends. Like my husband's great and he'll be like, okay, we're going to go to the park and have fun, do whatever you want. And I will like sit down for like three, four hours and just like breeze through a ton mm. of stuff then. So um, it depends on the day, but I'm trying to at least make sure I get like a 20 minute sprint in like a, 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 a every single day. Very cool. Okay, we got to wrap up. So guess what? Shameless self-promotion time. Ooh. Where do people find your books? Where do people find you on social media? Well, you can find my books, I think, online wherever books are sold. Um, so, you know, you can go on Amazon and pick it up. You could go to Barnes and Noble and either request a copy in or um, buy it off of your shelves if it's in stock. Um, also, hey, support your local bookstore. You can request them to order it in as well. And same with your local library. Um, the, the story that we've been talking about a lot is I'm in love with Mothman, and that is published with Four Horsemen, who are amazing. Um, but the next releases I have coming up are Our Own Little Underworld, which is a YA Hades and Persephone retelling. And then at the end of the year, we have, well, the second Mothman book, which is going to be super fun. And then we're having a little Frankenstein retelling to wrap up uh, the end of the year. So you can find me and all of that stuff that I just bleh at you um, on uh, pagelavoy.com. Join my mailing list because that's the best way to get like timely updates about what's going on. And uh, that's it. That's me. Oh, I'm Mrs. Page Lavoy across social media as well. So MRS, Page Lavoy, come find me and say hi. Very cool. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. It has Thank been so you. much fun having you. It's been amazing. Hey.
Very cool. Guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Bo Lake. Do not forget to like and subscribe. And don't forget, we'd love reviews and comments. We'd love to hear them. And we will see you guys next time. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. Welcome to Drinking With Authors. This is the literary briefs edition. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is doing an awful lot of dancing that I don't think is being captured for the YouTube videos, but really no. should, is Bowleg. <laughs> And our guest today is Paige Lavoy. Woo! Woo! Welcome, Paige. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking because I am mostly done. <laughs> You're not kidding. I'm not kidding. Not. I said this to Bo that I always, this is the reason I don't drink wine every time I record the podcast, <laughs> though, is because if I prepare a beverage with liquor, I, I have that beverage in a cup on my desk, but with wine, I'm always drinking like, the bottle of wine. And I'm not going to lie. Why like, bother with these, a cup? <laughs> I have all of these wine, whatever they, pork, whatever mm -hmm. stoppers, whatever. I'm not even saying it correctly. So whatever the fuck. Um, and, and I honestly, honestly cannot um, ever use them because I never only drink like one glass of wine. I'll bring them out when people are over at my house and we're having wine at the dinner table just to kind of like decoratively like, look, this one's a gargoyle. They never fucking use them though because I drink the entire bottle I, every time. I, I truly do not understand how you are so composed because if I have half a glass of wine, I am silly. Well, let's start with I'm very Irish. <laughs> oh, so there's that. And I have a podcast called Drinking with Authors, where at least mm -hmm. once or twice a week I get drunk. With authors. So, um, I would like to say I don't have a problem. I might, who knows? Uh, I actually only drink on the podcast now, though, which is a good thing because um, anyway, I am drinking Pacific Rim. And you know what I just realized? Do you remember I pointed out the flame thing earlier? Uh -huh. Like the flames, I don't, they got lighter when the the wine went away from, from it on the backside. That's, That's so weird. Because huh. I'm not crazy, right? That was much no, darker yeah. earlier, wasn't it? It was darker. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Try to, try to like breathe on it and see if it comes back. Yeah. Like, but it was cold wine. It's not going to be breath. Oh. Let me turn the wine bottle this way. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah, science. no, it gets darker. It gets dark. I, I got to drink it this way. It's like we're it now a science podcast. Wine. You see? Wow. Okay. This anyway, is, uh, very <laughs> Your science moment with drinking with authors. Thank you uh, yeah. for joining Listen, us. This is. This fucking science, man. Anyway, okay, <laughs> going back to, I'm fine, I'm fine. Oh, I am drinking out of, Grace and Ace gave me this glass. It says, I'm trying really hard not to connect with people right now. It's David from Schitt's Creek, which is probably my favorite rewatchable sitcom. Um, but what are you drinking? Well, I won't tell you that I've never watched Schitt's Creek. You always hate when I say I've never watched a show, but I've never seen it. It's so I good. I not watch a show. It. The show is epic. 
I, I will watch it before our next episode. I will watch it. Well, I will tell you the first season, you have to get used to it. I'm not going to lie. Like a lot of people start the show and get about two or three in and don't get it. But you got to keep going because or start on season two. Either way, it's very funny. Oh, like Parks and Rec, where you have to start at season two or else season one. Yeah. Well, you know what? If you do nothing else, watch in, watch the Fold in the Cheese episode of Shit's Creek. That is literally probably my favorite episode is the Fold in the Cheese episode. So. I'll watch it tonight so I can tell you about it. Well, I, I am drinking a chai tea latte because I have a sore throat and I thought this would help. It It's not really doing the job, but um, I don't know if chai tea helps with that. And it doesn't because that's mm-hmm. milk. So that was a poor choice oh. on your. Oh, shit. you just Ron burgundy that shit. So <laughs> milk was a bad choice. Okay. Milk, milk was a bad choice. <laughs> Paige, what are you drinking, my darling? I have a hop water. It's um, it's just a sparkling water with hops in it. It's got a uh, ashwagandha to de-stress and de-wind and uh, L-theanine for uh, mood and cognitive performance. So that. that is so fancy. I could need, I need all of those things. <laughs> I agree, all of those things. Okay, so we, are you ready for rapid fire questions? Let's do now it, that we've yeah. Gone through science. Um, <clears throat> what is your favorite book of all time? Uh, that's my answer have you have you read it the reviews yeah, are all i have place, it's one of my favorites too really like the the pros you know you can't you can't really find anything better than ah um my i will give you my favorite book from last year i'm gonna cheat okay um i loved the book lake's edge um by lp i always forget her last name and I say it wrong but LP Clipstone it's just a beautiful gothic romance it's YA uh there's a little bit of a love triangle there's um it has my favorite trope of a a trunk full of beautiful dresses presented to someone love that uh and it also has the lord under and he's like a dark um kind of Sashomaru-esque uh lord of the underworld and we love that Wow, very cool. What is your <laughs> least favorite book of all time? I feel so bad saying least favorite books because no. just because it was my least favorite doesn't mean it's well a that's what book. we're asking. We're not right. asking what the least favorite book of all time no, this is, this is. This is saying for the whole world. It's just oh okay. I'm, I'm speaking for everyone right now. I can't remember the author's name. It's called Meddling Kids. It's like a Scooby-Doo sort of uh reimagining. It's horror. Um, It breaks a lot of rules, which is probably very cool for people where it's written in every single style, including uh, sometimes it breaks into a script. I didn't like it. I I read it for a book club. I was very nervous that um, my fellow book club person was going to be a huge fan. And we both sat there and it was a podcast and tried to figure out how to politely discuss this book that we hated. Um, it just, and it was also, there was a lot of misogyny, I thought, and I just can't get down with that. So meddling kids, not for me. No, it, that's, it, it doesn't, again, as we have discussed, not every book is for every human on the planet or non-human. Um, what is your favorite cryptid besides Mothman? Probably the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, I have like these fleeting 
desires to write like one of those like I'm going on holiday in another country romances with the Loch Ness monster. Uh, will it ever happen? Maybe. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot of like sort of romanticism similar to Mothman of like who are you really? What does your home look like? Where are you hanging out when you're not like peeking your head above the water? Um, yeah. I like that. I came up with a really interesting theory on on the Erie Travels podcast because Mark was talking about, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. I go down these paths. It's fine line. Um, but there is a new cryptid in Florida that is a horse made out of vines and three separate people have seen it in different areas. And anyway, it's being looked into now because three separate people who didn't know each other have reported seeing this. It was a train conductor just a person in a car and somebody driving a semi-truck, right? Mm. And there's a lot of construction happening in this area right now. So the natural things are being fucked with for lack of a better way of putting it. Mm -hmm. I can say it's a dope podcast. And um, the thing is though, I kind of wonder how much cryptids, it's just my weird theory and I can share it because I'm drinking, are nature guardians. I, yes. 100%. I almost went that route with I'm in love with Mothman. And that's kind of what Heather thinks that Moth is for a good lot of the book. Um, is he really? You got to read it. Um, but I feel that's so hard because how do we not know that there are nature guardians spread out in, in the wilderness that is then having like being exactly, bulldozed it, and stuff. it would explain the appearing and disappearing of them mm -hmm. depending on um, where it is in the destruction because like there's a whole thing we did an episode on serpents and I promise I'm not trying to talk about that other podcast but we did an episode on serpents and there's these two serpent mounds that have been found to have bones underneath them and mm. stuff like that mm. but they're right near these cave systems that nobody's ever fucking explored anything about these cave systems right but they were worshipped by people who lived in this country before we brought ships over here and um and their stories of these serpents protecting and what they do to protect in that, that sort of thing. So I just go, I wonder if we're going to find out in the future that these are like spirit guardians of some kind or whatever equivalent that is of nature. Mm -hmm. And then and they show up for specific reasons for that sort of thing. And not just because they're like, Hey, how you doing? We're hanging out here, you know? Anyway, whole theory I, I have. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I also feel like there are stranger things. Like the the world, I think, has way more unusual and sometimes magical things than we uh, would ever imagine. So why not? I agree. Did you see that the government just had to, this is going to air way later than this story, but the government just had to announce about a car-sized object it had to shoot out of the sky in Alaska. What? I did mm -hmm. not. You can Google this. Whoa. So it is apparently like um, like box shaped, but about the size of a car. Huh. And it got, because we're in a time where everybody has like photo, you know, yeah. video things with them all the time. Uh, so this was recorded and the government shot it out of the fucking sky. And they went literally from routers, routers, whatever it is, like the, you know, news thing. Um, and yeah. the government... Like there's a guy in the White House announcing that they shot this unidentified object out of the sky over Alaska. 
Wow. But they didn't but they didn't say what it is yet. Like they didn't no, say No, oh, they just had to go because it? people recorded it being shot out of the sky. They recorded oh. it being there and then being shot out of the sky. So they had to go, yep, we we um, shot that out of the sky. <laughs> I mean, they've also been like revealing a lot of things about UFOs and UAPs, like doing soft disclosure. Yeah. Like giving us little trickle truths to be like, this is what's happening. <laughs> it's all very fascinating. I my uh yeah it's my grandpa who I oh sorry go ahead no no you you go ahead oh okay I was gonna say my grandpa who I spoke about on our last podcast recording uh who was so into like Bigfoot the boogeyman like all of the spooky stuff also loved UFOs so he would if if he were alive to see this day he would be all about this news like I remember being a child and him having those like self-developed darkroom photos and being like look at this and there was like a black spot in the sky and he's like aliens <laughs> no it's it's he would totally cross it off because yeah. it's, it's hashtag true story at this point yeah. okay yeah. back to being all about you what is your favorite uh, uh food to eat while you're writing Ooh, um probably like veggie straws like the little chips that, yeah you pretend yeah. are healthy but they're not and who cares um like or or I do have next to me some cookies just like a little oh I've been also doing uh dates stuffed with peanut butter so I just love snacks and I love snacking while I'm eating those get a little sticky though you gotta be careful if you're eating them while you're writing that's okay somebody was Bo was telling me about the chopsticks and Cheetos that people oh my gosh do. Yeah. Or tongs and Cheetos to not. I think you could do that with dates. I think you could use chopsticks. Oh, just do a little chopstick. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Or or like a soup spoon. Just be like. Soup spoon. So you said you're (laughs) a soup spoon, you know, like a a pho spoon, you know. Yeah, I have those. Yeah. So you said your favorite trope is a trunk full of dresses. What is your least favorite? (laughs) What is your least favorite? Oh man. Uh hey, I'm drawing a, a huge blank right now. I I know that there's one that I don't like. I'm but... sure there's the girl that needs a boy to save her. Yeah. That's, you know, well, okay. I yeah, like I don't mind and we do this in Mothman a lot where they're kind of both rescuing each other a lot mm-hmm. and being there for each other as a couple. Great, wonderful, love that um huh, there's there's one oh oh the um the the love interest like the 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 forced love triangle is one that bothers me where it's clearly it's just he's just supposed to be a friend or she's just supposed to be a friend and they have a fight like the couple has a fight and then there's a romance with uh, immediate romance with the uh like secondary love interest that bothers me yeah. Or, um, yeah, especially when there's like, like, like a kiss or something where it's like, oh, well, this is clearly not going to work, but we're not meant for each other. So I'll just settle. Don't. Yeah. I don't love that at all. No. no. Um, what about your favorite book that was turned into a movie or TV series? Like you thought they did a really good job with it. Oh, um, um i cannot think of a single movie i've ever seen in my life right now 
I've never, what do you, what is a movie? I've drunk, this is the last of my bottle of wine. We can blame. How um, how am I the one that can think of movies? Blame a little, blame a little brain fog. Um, I'm trying, there was, there's one at like the tip of my brain, but it's not, it's not coming out. We're going to, we're going to have to skip it. Okay, what's your favorite Halloween costume that you ever got to wear? Ooh, my favorite Halloween costume. Um, When I was probably 10, I had a different Halloween costume picked out and I went to, I want to say it was Walmart with my mom. And we're walking down the Halloween aisle and I see a Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV licensed costume. It's like the the, um, black with the sparkly stars and the matching hat. And I was like, mom please can I please have this costume and she's like we already have your costume like I will wear it for two years in a row I will I will not change my mind and she um she also loved Sabrina the Teenage Witch so she she went for it and that was my my most favorite Halloween costume ever I think I wore that thing to shreds I I love that I cosplay so I love that I can wear my Halloween costumes all the fucking time now yeah I love that what about um will you finish a book if you don't like it will I finish reading it yeah oh yeah um it depends how far into it I am and how much I'm not enjoying it so another book that I think was great but I really struggled through um was Gideon the Ninth great book fantastic characters wonderful world building I felt the whole time like I was squinting in a dark room reading that book. Like it just was so hard for me to follow. And I I know that that's sort of the appeal of these books. Like they are confusing on purpose. Um, I only finished that book because of a book club. I think that if I'm if I'm not reading it with ease, if it's um feels like work, if it feels like homework then I don't want to be reading it for the most part. Um, yeah, I feel like those are, that's kind of, as soon as it starts to feel like, oh, I have to finish this book is when I typically stop reading. So yeah, I don't feel like I need to finish reading a book. I'm, I'm pretty um, lenient with um, stopping. And then sometimes I'll start again. Sometimes I'll be like, you know, let me try that book again. I'm in a better headspace for it or um there were themes I really liked. Let's see if it, it it gets past whatever was bothering me. Do you write reviews? I don't. I do stars. Like if I'm reading on my Kindle, I'll like star one. Um, I think I need a, well, I think I, I really truly think I would only review books I enjoyed because um, I can discuss what I didn't like about a book, but I, I don't want to just, I don't want to be given that negative energy to other authors. Um, so I feel though that I would like to have a burner account for reviews, have like something that isn't my author name and uh, be able to just like review. Why don't you create a burner account on Goodreads? I could. I, I you could do it there. Yeah, but I still don't think I'd want to be negative. Like well, I, I don't- if it's not your thing, I don't think you should be negative. Like yeah. the only time, and I think, um, and this is my karma speaking, 
if you're an author and there's something with the book that needs to be communicated, you could totally eat cookies. I love that you're doing that. Um, I, that needs to be communicated to the author about it. Like, hey, you're switching tenses. Like I noticed this thing, like that sort of thing, right? I think it's important to email or Facebook, whatever the author, and whether they react positively or negatively, I would rather somebody reach out to me and say, hey, I'm just letting you know there's this problem, right? Mm -hmm. And just, it, it it's making this difficult to read because of whatever it is. Now, if it's just, you don't like the story or you don't like a character, you don't like it where it goes, um, nobody gives a flying crap what you think of that character. I mean, it's true because somebody's going to like it. It's not the book for you. Yeah. And so I think if you can say something positive or talk about, like I, for a while, was on the Goodreads thing, this is many moons ago, where you can get books for free as long as you do reviews for them. Yeah. I stopped doing that after my, I probably did about 20 of them, but I stopped doing it after about the sixth book that was fucking terrible. Hmm. But you have to leave a review, right? Oh, so kind of trapped and said, yeah. How do you do this? Because you have to leave a review. So I started going, let me find the things about it that I can talk about. But if it was just badly written, I'd write, reach out to the author and go, listen, I know this is self-published and everything. You need to get an editor. Like you're the grammar, like the commas, whatever it is, like here's some examples, but I'm not trying to be rude. Mm -hmm. This is making your writing look bad. You know, so I, I think reviewing is important authors but there are different kinds of reviews you know yeah I'm also realizing as I say like oh I need a burner account I'm like so I can write nice things that's weird like because all <laughs> I want to write is review my my favorite books so maybe I should just start being more active on well and I think that we all want reviews so it's kind of like a karma thing like yeah right? that's very but true I think on rankings we were discussing this the other day if you're going to rank something low just don't bother doing that either because mm -hmm. if an author gets like a two star and there's no communication other than two star as, as an author, you go, what the fuck does that even mean? Like, what do yeah. they like about it? Why did they give it two stars? And it's even worse than them going, I hated the characters. Sydney sucks. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever bullshit they want to say. Yeah. You know? I think I'm a pretty easy to please reader. You know, like, um, I mean, there are obviously books I don't like, but I think everything I end up ranking, I'm always ranking five stars anyway. Like, even so, if I had problems with it, like I, if, if I enjoyed it enough to get to the end and feel like satisfied and like, I liked the characters or I want more, even if I had some nitpicky things, like it's probably, I, I probably liked it enough to get five stars. Very cool. What about the first time you signed a book? What was that like? Ah, um, I think that is back in ye old webcomic days where I had some of my uh, printed books with me at a con and uh, one of the, this really like beautiful cosplayer came up with her husband and she bought a book and uh, I signed it for her and we ended up becoming really good friends. <laughs> but it was, uh, I remember being so nervous that my signature was messy. Because I, um, I have the writing of like 
an elementary school student. It's not pretty. And so I signed it and I was saying, I am so sorry. This looks horrendous as I was signing the book. Um, yeah. And uh, I've actually, I had to practice my author signature. Yeah, so no, that. I think you do. And do you, do you sign little quippy things with it? Um, I do. Yeah. Well, for Mothman, I've been doodling. So I draw, uh, um, I have one. If you're, uh, if you're watching on video, I can show you what I've been signing lately. Okay. So here we have, I'm in love with Mothman. Ooh, if you're just listening, I'm holding up a book and it's pretty. And then I grabbed one that wasn't signed. That's hilarious. Whatever the case, I'm not going to bother flipping through a bunch of books. I've been drawing a little Mothman in the corner with a bunch of tiny hearts. And then there's my name at the bottom. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. And you got cute little Mothman stickers. I do. Yeah, I made these. I made, um, for the launch of this book, I did keychains and stickers and I did two different designs. So we have, if you're watching on YouTube, Moth and Heather, <laughs> and he's handing her a rose and it's just a little cheapy I'm cartoon. I'm obsessed with the stickers. They're so I, cute. I, I, I need to go into Barnes and Noble and leave them in some of the books just as like a little sneaky thing. But I do that with um, my surprise. local bookstore, Joybird. That's where I had the launch party. Uh, everyone who went got um, either a pin or a sticker, or if they were there early enough, they got to bring home like a bunch of little goodies. That is so cool. I love that. Love it. Okay, Bo, go ahead. What is your desert island book? My desert? Probably The Love Hypothesis. I feel like I could read that again and again just because it's so fun. Um, it's basically Raylo fanfic, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. And who doesn't love Adam Driver? Um, and so it's just so swoony. I love how each little, each little like vignette of them getting to know each other and like pining for each other. I feel like the intimacy is like really realistic. Um, and that moment at the end where he like throws a guy up against the wall, top tier. Very cool. What is your um, favorite weird food combination? Oh, um, let's see. I'm trying to think of anything weird I did during like pregnancy. Um, I feel like my like food is pretty, I have a funny food story about this but it's not something I did um okay all right cool so I have a twin sister she's wonderful her name is Lashes Lane incredible burlesque performer um when we were children we were at a sleepover party and we're raiding the fridge as you do and she gets out a strawberry yogurt and leftover pizza and she's like haha I bet this is gonna be great and put the yogurt on the pizza and ate it and everyone's like ew that's so gross She's like, no, it's actually really good. And I still don't know to this day if she was just trying to get us to try it. Um, but she committed to the bit. And at like seven other sleepover parties, I'm not even exaggerating, was like, oh, I got some leftover pizza. Where's the yogurt? And had this combination. Did not find out until like years later. She was like, no, that's disgusting. I was just, I was just messing with you guys. Why would you do that? So um, that's a... Um, Apparently, secretly delicious food combo, yogurt and pizza. Yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah, not. We all found it. It was so gross. <laughs> yeah, really gross. I don't, I, I probably tried it. Well, I think that's a sisterly thing to do is help commit to the bit with your yeah. sister. I think yeah. I said it was gross. I didn't, I wasn't like, oh yeah, guys. 
be like, yeah, we eat that every Friday. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. If she would have coordinated with me, we could have been. That's crazy. Thing. Well. Yeah. Uh, I just had a question and it flew out of my head. Give me a second. Give me a second. What is your Starbucks order? Oh, um, I have been doing a oat milk latte with sugar-free vanilla syrup. So Ooh. very, it's, it's, it's whatever, you know. <laughs> it's a job done. Yeah. It, it does. <laughs> Did you know that there's secret? I don't want to say secret. I'm going to, I'm going to fix that word. Okay. There is um, a not published Starbucks menu. Oh yeah. The, 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 the secret menu, the. Yeah. Which that the baristas hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I found out because I have a couple friends that have been baristas and are baristas and my um, son-in-law was a barista and they, um, no, they don't like that. Don't do that. They're not big yeah. fans. I've been making my own lattes at home. That's what, uh, for our previous podcast, I had a lavender vanilla latte because it changed my life that I realized that electric milk frothers are about $30 and you can just buy a bunch of flavoring. And so I haven't been using espresso. I do like half coffee, half foamed milk, and then a fun flavor. So I had a pistachio latte the other day. I've done like lavender and vanilla and honey, and it's life-changing because I love fancy You just coffee. use those syrups, like yeah. the tiny syrups? Mm-hmm. First of all, for those not milk watching, you should watch Bo do the syrup gesture. This is because you like a little head pat. It's close to the dancing gesture that you know. Well, it's like a pump. That's why I did this. Because you pump the no, I off. I got it. Pump I got up. what it was referencing to. I just want those listening to understand all the shit they're missing by not watching no, the YouTube. I do feel like it seems like Bo and I are very visual speakers, so you should be just watching us on YouTube at this point because we're. Yeah. Like half of what we're saying, we're communicating through the art of dance. So yeah. <laughs> oh, what is your favorite song to dance to? What is the song that comes on? I'm coming up with all kinds of weird questions now, but I'm throwing. I know this so is a is new one. A song that will get you to go to the dance floor, like you hear it and you're like compulsively need to go dance. Okay, so when I was in my youth and hitting the club uh it would have been like at a goth night uh this charming man by the smiths as soon as that like came up just like everyone on the dance floor um now if i'm listening to music in my kitchen uh like rocking out doing the dishes it's probably i've been having a big like ricky montgomery moment uh or mitski like which not uh, washing machine hearts pretty dancey like or oh um there's another one. This is very, it feels very like garage rock where it's, um, I can't, I cannot remember the name of this song. It's, it's something I found on TikTok. I believe it. I think there are certain songs that when they start, I'm, I'm one of those like sing anywhere. I'll fucking sing in Walmart. Like me and my friends used to joke because I feel like you can do almost anything in a Walmart. Like literally almost anything and it's fine like you can bust out into song in a fucking walmart yeah and so we would do that but i think there are certain songs that you like have to sing i don't care where you are even mm -hmm. if you're like somewhere and you're like 
under your breath like you have to like sing them or you have to dance to them like if they play at a wedding you're like oh my god that's my song I found it it's cloud nine by beach bunny it is so fun and peppy and like very like a love like it's like a cute little love song it reminds me of my husband I love it I love that I love that okay Bo you ask one and I'll do the final one what is a genre of book that you like that someone would be surprised to find out? Um, I feel like there are people who see kind of the um, uh, bubblegummy nature of my personality and mm-hmm. are surprised about the paranormal romance. Um, if you know me, you're not surprised at all. Um, or if you see me out and I'm in like a Frankenstein shirt, it's very obvious that uh, um, I, I feel like everything I read is very obvious. Um, but trying to think if there's anything I enjoyed. I only read, I've only read like two, but I enjoyed a, um, a cozy mystery that I read once for a book club. It was like, a like an 80 year old woman going on a road trip and setting up like her daughter figure with somebody. And it was, it was very cute. Uh, but I don't read them super frequently. I do read uh, a lot of organize your house books recently. Mm. And that's just me just trying to get my life together. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag that is a goal for all of us all the time. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my um, stepmom about that, actually, because, you know, you have the um, the subtle art, no, um, the tidying up and things. There's all mm. these books. and there's a Swedish one where I think it's Swedish and it's a book where, and this is a wine kicking in where you um, clean up your house as if you're going to die. Oh my God. Mm. Yeah. So the whole concept is like you cl- clean the house and I swear to God, I'll think of the name of this right when this podcast is done, but that you clean the house and she was telling me about it because I heart her, but they had like a 5,500 square foot house mm. and then they downsized to a like 2500 square foot house and just like a retirement house they didn't need all the space but when you clear 3,000 square feet worth of stuff and like you just have stuff so like her entire basement was just shelves of stuff yeah. so the whole premise is you clean your house and you only save what you're going to what if you die tomorrow somebody can come in and resolve so you're not leaving a bunch of shit mm-hmm. for people to fix not that you should die and it sounds very morbid when i say no, this. not that you should die just <laughs> letting you know well i also have this purpose like if i there's certain memory things like that <laughs> for my kids and stuff like mm-hmm. that that <clears throat> so i like, gave you my cough oh my gosh <laughs> yeah you did somehow what the I haven't coughed all day. Paige, what are you doing? But like, there are certain things, but I realized like I had boxes of stuff that I was saving because it like, it was a memory. But when I sat back and looked at it, I went, what am I fucking, it's sitting in a box for like Mm -hmm. years. Like when we moved Mm -hmm. to North Carolina almost two years ago, I literally looked at the stuff and I'm like, I haven't touched this in like six or eight years. Like it has a memory attached to it. But all I'm doing is keeping it in a box in a room. So now I'm going to have yeah. to move it, find another place to move it to. And I'm like, nope, I'm getting rid of it. So that's something so wonderful about having a twin sister and cleaning out my closet. I can be like, what do you want? <laughs> like, 
somehow our shoe sizes are different though. And so I went through my shoes and I was like, Hey, apparently my feet got flat while I was pregnant. Would you like any of these? And uh, she's like, Oh, I'm actually a seven and a half. I'm an eight. So rude. So rude. (laughs) Well, here's my clothing theory. Besides my cosplay costumes and a couple like fancy things, I, um, at January 1st, go in my closet and turn all of my Mm. hangers around backwards. And then the next January 1st, anything that's still backwards goes in a fucking donation bag. That's smart. Like, I don't care. I don't even look at it. If it's backwards, I just take it off the hanger and put it in a donation bag. Yeah. Because I've not worn the stupid thing in a year, one entire year. So out, it's out, it's gone. Anyway, okay, my final question to you, as we got on an entire tangent there, is this. What movie do you watch, or like if it comes on, or do you go out, like what is your comfort movie that you love watching? You'll watch it anytime it comes on. I love, it's not a movie, it's a TV show, so I'm cheating a little bit, but The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Um, she is just such an incredibly creative woman and she's got a YouTube show where she makes a bunch of things and it's, it's more like crafting based and it's so cool. Uh, but she had a Netflix series and it is like, it's partnered with Jim Henson. So there's puppetry. It's like a a gothy pioneer woman meets Pee-wee's Playhouse and you follow her in this spooky mansion where she's got like a big werewolf in the house and like a little mummified cat and this like wild raccoon who looks like my parents' dogs, um, which is neither (laughs) here nor there. Yorkies are just Yorkies. Um, And it's just so cozy. Like it's, it's got a through line with all the different characters. And so you can sit and just watch it from start to finish and see her making a giant house of gingerbread and then sewing a dress and uh, making like cool uh, shrunken head ornaments. And it's it's wonderful. It gives me the same feeling Food Network would, just like sitting and watching Food Network in like a wonderful spooky package with cute puppets that you just wanna like hug and keep forever. And I love it. Bo, you're nodding. Do you also love the show? (laughs) I've seen it. It's cute. cute. The raccoon thing. I was like, yes, he does look like that. (laughs) (laughs) And the humor is like pretty dark too. Um, So it will be like cutesy little puppets that are talking about murdering the neighbor. And it's like, (laughs) oh, we can't do that. Do you guys want your ice cream sundaes? If we get through one week without murder, we're doing ice cream. Come on. I feel like that was me talking to my kids. Okay, so (laughs) shameless self-promotion time. Where can people find your social media and your books? All right, you can find me at pagelavoy.com. While you're there, please join my mailing list because that is where I'm sharing all of the up-to-date news on books and events and little extra snippets and stuff. Uh, On social media, I'm Mrs. Paige Lavoie, and um, my books are wherever books are sold online. I'm in Love with Mothman is the one that's currently out, and uh, it is a whole year full of fun releases, including the second in that series. So definitely follow, and uh, yeah, stick around for more uh, very cute, cozy, with a hint of paranormal uh, stuff from me. Very, very cool. Paige, thank you so much for being on the podcast Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely. This has been so much fun. Guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs Edition with the Empty Bottle of Wine. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been Bo Lake. Do not forget to like and subscribe and leave us reviews and stuff. And we will see you next time.